Sometimes the Lord allows perilous times that there can be a reduction in our strength that comes out of our pride, out of things that are carnal. For as long as negative things and forces are strengths that we rely upon, we will never really see the need or even surrender to God. There's something about coming to the place where you realize that you cannot do what you really want to do. That you cannot achieve it through your mind, you can't achieve it through your, the work of your hands, you can't achieve it through your network of friends. You can't achieve it with your money. You can only get it if somebody helps you. Well, sometimes perilous times come and that's, that's really one of the benefits of a perilous time. It doesn't seem like it at first, but this can be a benefit because the Lord is able to reduce, help us to see that, that what we rely upon really is powerless. It's powerless. I know right now many people really do believe that if they can just keep themselves together long enough, they're going to come through a stressful time. But it's not true. What happens is, without realizing it, you rely upon your ability to reason your way through. You rely upon your ability to maintain and emotional stability. If not now, eventually, you will see that doesn't work. Your boys will not be there for you. God will see to that. God will see to that. He will make sure that you are in a place where your boys can't help you. And so it's important that, that we Understand that though perilous times has been referred to often, and we're going to look at some more of it, as uh, attributes and characteristics that are sinful and uh, evil in the eyesight of God, God allows us to have to live in that kind of situation also to show us where our strength really is to us. The book of Proverbs chapter 7, the Bible says that an adulteress, that, that all of the men, all of the men that the adulteress takes, seduces, were strong. All of them. You see, the reason why an adulteress is able to take a strong man it's a very simple reason. It's because that man's strength is, his, is, 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 is in himself. His reliance is on his own ability to resist her. His, his, his trust is in his own ability to outwit her. It's not in God. 
That's why he yields. If you were married to somebody that committed adultery, that's why he did it. He trusted in his own ability to resist her. And it's more and more deceptive the longer you are able to operate in your own natural ability against the enemy. It's more and more deceptive because you actually think that you are doing it. But eventually, eventually, enough stress, enough peril will take place where you come face to face with your inability. And it's usually in that place that we begin to make up reasons for why we need to give in. Nobody's here for me. Nobody's praying for me. Nobody understands me. Nobody really knows me. Nobody loves me. So we begin to justify weakening our resistance. God allows perilous times to show us where, what we really rely on to get through it. Most people do not rely on the word of God. Most people quote the word of God, but they don't rely on the word of God. Most people do not rely on God. They rely on themselves. And that's why we fail. The media has been very successful in being able to communicate the power of the human spirit, the ingenuity of mankind. We can look in present day time as well as in distant history and see the marvel of the indomitable spirit of man. But often we are not really in touch with the temporary the temporary nature of the spirit of man. We cannot do what we think we can do. This is totally opposite from the grain of what we're often told to do. And I'm not doing it to discourage you. I'm not doing it to, to uh, leave you despondent or in despair. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because we, we are so quick to label people and, and tell them what they did wrong and often we misdiagnose it. It's right to fight for the right thing. It's right to resist wrong. But it's wrong and ineffective to resist wrong out of your own strength alone. You will lose. It's possible for your spirit to be willing and never have mastered the longings and the yearnings and the incessant drive of the carnal part of your nature that says, it will be my way. I don't care what anybody says. The devil is a master at seducing and therefore deceiving us into believing and doing certain things that we never planned to do. 
Never plan to hurt your wife like that. Never plan to hurt your husband like that. Never plan to hurt your kids like that. Never plan to hurt your brothers and sisters like that. But lo and behold, it's happening. And it's happening because you actually believe that you can rely on yourself to, do, to make sure that you keep your promise. Gets real tricky in church sometimes because we, we pray prayers like, Lord, help me. With no clue of how to access the grace of God by faith to walk out what we've asked God to do. So we rely on our emotional strength to get us through it. That's why we always got to get hyped up emotionally to get through something. And if we don't feel it emotionally, we're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If we just already prepare the line, you should have been there. You should have done such and such. Rather than looking in the mirror of God's word and saying to ourselves, you will do this by the grace and by the faith in Christ Jesus that's been given to you. That's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it not by might, not by power that's natural, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You'll stand not because you are hyped, but because you have him. That's how you're going to stand. You're not going to stand the other way. You're not going to do it. You will not do it. You can be as mad as you want to be at all the people that failed you. But it's just digging a deeper ditch. That's all it's doing. I am not standing here before you because of my strength. Impossible. Impossible. Don't you get the wrong idea one moment about this. It's not my strength. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hmm? So perilous times are allowed by God to help us to see whether or not we really mean that. Not whether or not we can quote it, but whether or not we mean it and we're willing to live that way. Accessing the grace of God is a matter of faith. It's not a matter of feeling. The grace of God is defined in the scriptures several different ways. As, as unearned or unmerited favor, approval. But it's also divine help, divine ability from God. How do we access divine ability from God? Scripture teaches us in Romans 5, it's by faith. Through faith, we access this grace. Through faith. Through faith, insight from God. What is it that will keep us from spinning around and not ever quite sure what we need to do? Operating by faith, see? That's how we do it. We operate by faith. The just or the righteous ones, those who are justified and, and, and through the shed blood of Jesus come into relationship with God through Christ, we live by faith, by faith. The less you know about the grace of God, the less you know about faith, 
is really wonderful to the devil because he, actually, he, he knows he can do whatever he wants to do with you. The more you and I live according to how we feel emotionally about things, he's, 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 having, a, he's having a party. Because he knows that eventually he'll be able to seduce you. But the more we understand that the way that God calls us to live is by grace through faith. Say that please. By grace through faith. Say it again. By grace through faith. Once again, by grace through faith. Say it. For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It's by grace through faith. This is a way of life. This is not just an event that took place in my life when I, quote, was born again. This is a way of life by the Spirit, by grace through faith. Paul asked this question in Galatians. He said, have, have you, he, called, he said to them, uh, disciplining this particular congregation, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly displayed on the cross? Have you now uh, begun in the spirit and now you're going to continue in the flesh? What, what, what does that mean? You were born again by the spirit of God. This was a work of the Holy Ghost in your life. And now you're going to continue this life that was birthed by the spirit through the power and the natural abilities of the fleshly nature. That's how you're going to live. What is God speaking? No, no. No. The less you know about life in the spirit, the happier Satan is. And, it's, and when our understanding about life in the spirit is jacked up, you know what I mean by jacked up? It's messed up. It's some crazy religious bunch of words and concepts about what living in the spirit really means. Halos, screaming and hollering, seeing a bunch of messages up in the sky somewhere. Okay, that, that's not life in the spirit necessarily, in the Holy Spirit. Life in the spirit is not charmed. Hmm? Smallville. That's, that's not life in the Holy Ghost. Deep Space Nine. You, know, you say, why do you say something like that to us, Pastor? We, we know that. But that's how we live. We live with an openness to all of this stuff as if it's some kind of possibility. It is a possibility, but some stuff is from the realm of hell. It's not from God. It's not from God. Life in the spirit is dealing with God through Christ, through the word of God, and then learning to live according to what he's saying to us by the grace of God. The supernatural ability of God. You see, the way you and I are raised affects everything that we think about God. If your daddy is mean, is a liar, a cheater, it affects the way you think about God. You may not connect with that initially. You may just be mad at your daddy. But it affects the way you think about God. If your mother is abusive, 
physically, emotionally, or otherwise, it affects the way you think about God. Still, to this day, you're saved. You may have gotten saved thinking you was finally getting away from all of that foolishness, all that mess, but it still affects the way you think about God. God doesn't care. Here's a trick the devil pulls on every one of us. If God cared, then why did he let you go through it? Hmm? Meaning you know best what should have happened in your life. You know best what God should have allowed to happen to you, what he shouldn't have allowed to happen to you. You know. Never mind that he's protecting you. Never mind that he's showing you a way out. Never mind that he's even allowing you to hear from him. That has nothing to do with it. The bottom line is he never should have let it happen. Period. Because if he is so much God, why in the world did he let it happen in the first place? So I repeat, the bottom line is you're God. No, 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 Pastor, I'm not God. Yes, you are. You're telling God how your life should have been. You are telling God how your life should have been. not that way and because it's, it wasn't that way you can't get past it God didn't let it come down like you thought it ought to come down so you're through so going to church is a joke for what to listen to some preacher talk about a God that you don't even trust it's a joke when perilous times hit, though, you're going to find out this ain't no joke. And even though the man can't always tell you why God let certain things happen to you, because I can't tell you why God let certain things happen to me. I can't tell you why God let my mom and daddy lose a baby when he was two years old. I don't know that. You don't know. No, I don't know. I do not know. Job didn't understand why his, his body was messed up with pain. He found out later a few things. We don't understand all of this because this ain't about knowing everything that God knows and this ain't about telling God how my life ought to be. This is about trusting God that even if he allows something to happen that don't make no kind of sense to me, You said, no, I, I ain't down with that. Then what you down with? Because you trust in somebody. Oh, yeah, yes, you are. Don't tell me you ain't trusting nobody. You trust in somebody. Your boys, your dog, yourself, you, huh? Your mama, your girl, your woman. You trust in somebody. You got your trust in something. Now, I don't trust nobody. You trust yourself. And I hope that you are strong enough and omniscient enough and that you are omnip omnipotent enough to take care of yourself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Die young before you're 21, have a pretty corpse. You don't believe that. You're lying to yourself. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Well, since the Holy Ghost changed my message, my book going this way anyway, huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. See? 
So are you ready for the questions? Hmm? You ready for the life? Yeah, you bad. You're going to make it happen. Going to take everybody out. Got, got your tech nine. You ready? Huh? You got your Uzi ready? Your boys going to be there for you? Are they? Really? Or oh, you don't care? It's about you. It don't even matter whether or not your boys are there, right? Does it? Not really. Your girl's going to be there for you? Hmm? I know it's just, it's just, it's just the zoo down here. Hmm, that's what this is. This is just a wilderness and a zoo, and it's just dog-eat-dog, and whoever survives, survives, and whoever doesn't, doesn't survive. Just hope that you can play ball well enough, or shoot fast enough, or run fast enough to keep surviving. That doesn't make no difference because God already let you go through some animalistic stuff where somebody jacked you, right? So if God lets you get jacked, then you're going to jack whoever you got to jack in order to survive, right? That's what God intended. That's what he wants for your life. Come on, look at me. Talk to me now. That's what he wants. That's the way it is. You take or get took. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. This is, this is church. We're just, we're just playing games up in here then. We're talking about a God that really ain't worth one minute of your time to do jack for you. We got a belief in a being that really don't care about nobody, according to your Bible. By the way, you know, we also need to know that you are the first ones and the only ones that been jacked like that. The rest of us up in here, we just ain't been jacked like that. That's the reason why we got our little stupid hands, black and white hands up in the air. Because we ain't never been hurt like this. That's why we got our hands up in the air. Because we're so stupid and asinine and religious, we don't get it. God ain't worth trusting. Never thought you'd hear a preacher say nothing like this, did you? Hmm? You want to keep it real? Hey, this is real. Maybe not everybody's here, but a lot of folks that have been here, that's where you are. That's exactly where you are. So your boys and all the stuff that you want to see and all the stuff you want to do and all the ways you're going to act, you don't care what your mama say, you don't care what your daddy say, you don't care what the preacher say, you don't care what nobody say, everybody is taken or getting took. Ain't that right? Huh? Better get yours. Better get yours. But perilous times. God uses perilous to level the playing field. To even up the score. To help you to understand that even though you think you understand how this really is, you're going to discover that there is a real devil. I know there's some folk teaching you ain't no devil, but you're going to discover there's a real one. And he's got your name on the list because he's planning to jack your behind up. Then comes along this crazy, skinny, green-eyed preacher screaming like he's losing his mind, telling you to wake up. 
It ain't like it looks. By the way, the reason why we raise our hands and the reason why you see tears coming down our face, just by the way, you can think about it next week if you don't believe it today. It's possible that what I'm telling you is the truth. The reason why we glorify him now is because some of us used to think the same way. Until... Until we met him. Until we found out. Some of us look up and discover, God, I had you all wrong. It wasn't you. It was the devil. My mama didn't know you. My daddy didn't know you. My husband didn't know you. My wife didn't know you. My kids didn't know you. I didn't know you. They live like beasts because they didn't know you. You let me experience some of their claws on my spirit. You let them wound me so I could come to understand as long as you don't know me, that's how you're going to be. See, if, if your daddy don't really know God, ah, yeah, yeah, yes. he said, but my daddy said he was saved. Some folk think they saved. You hear me? They went to church. Some weak back preacher wanted some money, baptized them, and never asked them if they got saved. You can join an organization and never be born again, folks. But when Jesus comes into your life, yes, my. When Jesus comes into your life, Look at somebody said, there's a change. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. You ain't got to go to 10 classes to try to figure out how. No, no, no. Ain't nobody got to try to pump this message into you. My God. It's like a newborn baby being born. When the baby comes out, if it's normal, it blinks its eyes. It wiggles its fingers, wiggles its toes, cries out of its belly. There are certain things you ain't going to get in no religious class about God. But when you've been born again, it's natural. You love him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You say like the man that was blind. I once was blind. But now I see this thing. I see it. Come on, somebody bless God up in this place. Hey God, hallelujah. Come on, tell somebody, I once was blind. I'm not trying to be religious with you. Come on, tell them, I'm not trying to be religious. 
Tell them, I'm not, I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just telling you my experience. I didn't see it before. But now... We're not acting like this because we're Pentecostal. We're acting like this because we're glad. Because, my God, because he delivered us. Because he changed. Because he saved me. That's why we act like this. I didn't see it at first, but you showed me. Oh, my God. My God. My God. Oh. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, give him praise. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See, the other reason why we praise him like this is because all the rape and all the molestation and all the divorces and all the desertions, the pain of it all, when we came to him, he put his hand on that spot. All of the stigmas, all of the marks, all of the labels about who we were and who we weren't how jacked up we are and how much we can accomplish he wiped it away he wiped it away and he cleansed us by his blood he delivered us and freed us I just thought I'd testify to you just a few minutes this morning and so the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so redeemed say so glory you redeemed my life you see the, 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 the word the word redeemed means to buy back it also means to save from loss father made a little sailboat for his son gave it to him he used to take him down to a nearby lake and pond, his little town every day. They would sail the little sailboat to come back, sail it, come back. He'd take it, he loved his sailboat. The little boy loved his sailboat so much. <laughs> and one day they went down and he went alone and put the sailboat on just like his daddy taught him. And a gust of wind came along, but it was too strong and it pushed the sailboat further than he could keep up with it and eventually got away from him. Got so far away he didn't know where it was and came home sad and told his dad. Came back and he was walking through town 
had a little town, Main Street, past the familiar pawn shop, and in the pawn shop in the front window was this little sailboat. He knew it was his because he kind of looked in the window underneath and he could see the initials his father had ins inscribed on it. So he walks in and he tells the owner of the pawn shop, he says, that's my boat. He said, well, I don't know whose boat it is. He said, but can I have my boat? He said, no, you can't have it. You, you have to buy it. He said, but, but my father made it. It's mine. It already belongs to me. I can prove it's mine, and he told him the initials, and he went and got it, and he looked at the knee and he said, yeah, they're here. And he said, well, I still can't give it to your son. You have to pay for it. So the boy went back and got with his dad, and he did some little odd jobs here and there, earned the money, and went back down to the pawn shop. He was so glad it was still there, and he walked in, and he paid the salesman his money and got the boat and put it in his arms, and he said, I love you, little sailboat. You're twice mine. My daddy made you. You got away from me. And I bought you back. Yes, sir. That's redemption. That's redemption. God made you. Always intended that we would live in submission to his son. The gust wind of sin came along and blew us away. Maybe it was a rape, maybe it was a molestation, maybe it was divorce, maybe it was abuse of some other kind. I don't know what the wind was, what was in the wind. Maybe it was a combination of things. You're lying, you're conniving, whoever in your life, you got away. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. But the price was paid for you and me to be bought back. God is laying on him the redemption of us all. The iniquity, rather, of us all. Jesus went to the cross, nailed there. It's more than a story. It's more than a movie. It really happened. Yes, it did. It happened. It happened. And I declare it on this Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after the resurrection was the first Pentecost. I declare it on this day. My God. And Jesus deals with the one who holds the power and sway over your life so you got to give him back my daddy made him and I already paid the price to get him back from me yes sir you know you know who we are we are we're the sailboat glory to Jesus we're the sailboat Jesus paid the price to get you back. The devil's telling Jesus and you, you can't have them back unless you pay the price. He said, done. Here's my blood. You got to let him go. Yes, you do. He wasn't made to live in a pawn shop. You didn't put enough value on him. He was made to sail on the sea. Glory to the name of Jesus. I want you to understand, you weren't made to live in some pawn shop. What somebody else thinks you are worth. God's already fixed his value on you. Set your sails so you can do what he's called you to do. That's who you are. You 
right now have the power, the authority to bring about a radical change for your life, to do something that the devil is counting on you not doing. You see, the fact that God allowed this stuff to happen means in the mind of the devil that you should never trust God. But God allowed it to show you what sin will really do to your life. He's allowed it, listen, in all of our lives in some way, shape, or form. He's allowed it even before we got saved. I was a four-year-old boy. I watched my little brother take his last breath. The devil's plan was that I would never trust God. If I would never trust God, I would never get saved. If I'd never get saved, I'd never be filled with the Holy Ghost. If I never got filled with the Holy Ghost, I'd never discover God's purpose for my life. If I never discovered God's purpose for my life, I certainly would not be. 47 years later, preaching the gospel. He had a plan in July of 1959. But God allowed it so that I would be able to see that even though he allows things that hurt sometimes, he still can be trusted. And that my boys weren't going to be there for me like he would. I don't know who I'm here to preach to this morning. I can show you my notes. I was going to teach on something else. They was prepared back there. But God knew you would be here. He knew it. He says, some of us are here every week, Pastor, what you're talking about. No, no, no. He knew you would be in this place spiritually where you could hear and understand in a fresh new way. You're not junk. You don't belong in a pawn shop. You don't belong in no gang. You don't belong in no adulterous affair. Those are the pawn shops, see? You don't belong there. You don't belong in a dead-end job trying to figure out what you're going to be. You don't belong in some lonely pit wondering if somebody's ever going to love you. That's the pawn shop. And the sales broker's telling you how much you're worth. Now that you've been raped, now that you've been a victim of molestation, now that you've been deserted, now that you failed God, now that you messed up, he's telling you what you're worth. But God is saying, uh-uh, shut your mouth. The death of my son tells them how much they're worth. Well, well, well. Ha! Glory to God. Would you say, will you say to the person standing next to you, 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 you are priceless. You're priceless. But you're going to have to do something today that doesn't even feel right. In spite of what God's allowed to happen to you. Come on, tell them. In spite of what God's allowed to happen to you. See what God wants you to see. God let it happen so you could feel a little bit of the blow of sin how much it hurts 
how much it'll do to somebody. So you'd understand. He never wants you to live a life like this. You, you just got a little bit. And that almost killed you. But Jesus came to give you life. How many of you believe it? Do you believe it? He came to give you life.